Yeah, so I guess I could talk about that for my one more thing today. But um, that's that's part of it. Uh, certainly part of it. And apparently, um, hi everybody, we're live. Uh, <laughs> Evening, everyone. We we're gonna be going into into dental care very quickly. Yeah, well, uh, dental care and uh, healthcare because I just sat down with my um, primary care physician this morning, and uh, I'm a bigger dude. It's, it's like this is the first time I've been to the doctor in a couple of years mm-hmm. um, since pandemic. My weight has kind of gone hmm, not <laughs> ideally, <laughs> put it that way, you, right? You you carry a pandemic weight. It's, I think yeah, it's, yeah uh, exactly. It's, it's a worldwide um, phenomenon at the moment. And so, so they they talked to me about uh, options. Uh, one of which is a is a weekly injection that you Ooh. just stab your stomach with. Um, it's actually cleared for diabetics, but um, it's it's had some really promising results with weight loss. And I don't want to like send everybody to their doctors asking for this thing. But it, like my doctor uh, is really great. They showed this graph um, and it's a very confusing graph, actually, when you look at it. But well, it's only because it's reversed. But you have different uh, like weight loss medications, right? And you have the effectiveness of the placebo is in the light gray, and then the yeah. the, the actual thing is is in the black. And so the middle one here, uh, with with a yeah. with a sixteen percent average body percentage weight lost, um, is the one that uh, I think I'm going to go for. Oh, it's a little so stabby I, I, stab. Yeah, I did a bunch of that before Christmas. I did a um, one of these this year. Um, a guy sort of give me advice and stuff and weekly weigh-ins and stuff like that and um i did 30 he did i did a 13 week course and um lost two and a half stone nearly nearly three stone so yeah you uh, sorry american do stone don't they so you actually understand it i was doing this hey, with a european kilograms uh oh <laughs> i don't know it's stones <laughs> um, you can say kilograms kilograms like we can we can convert right i think uh Oh, it's it's 12, uh, 12 pounds to twelve pounds to a stone. I'm not sure. Uh, how many pounds is this? I should know this. This should be easy. Um, um, stone. I, I love Google. Um, oh, fourteen pounds in a stone. So, um, dang, that's pretty good. Hey, if if uh, anyone watching or listening is on a health journey and has had uh, a positive or negative experience, why don't you share it <laughs> in the comments? Um, well, initially, a negative experience would be a good thing because that means you're losing weight. You well, okay, I guess I guess <laughs> if you look at it that way, smart ass. <laughs> it's been that, been that sort of week. In fact, it's been that sort of month at the moment. It really has. I, I've got. I've had what like two chiropractor visits, a dentist appointment, a a, a um, primary care physician appointment, uh, blood tests, and um, some additional stuff. I don't know. All in all, in the span all of like a couple of days, and uh, you, anyway, so you know yourself really well right now. <laughs> I'm I'm trying. <laughs> trying and it's you know this whole this whole thing um has like really made me crave sort of a unified interface to look at all my health stuff like imagine 
if um oh intermittent fasting uh mm, i, I, I have also been doing intermittent fasting uh starting at the beginning of the year and um i i find it good there's an app that i use called fastic that just tracks your um it, it tracks so, how long you've been fasting and fortunately this morning when i went to go get blood tests uh they were like how long have you been fasting for i opened up the app and said 14 hours oh right um you see when i first started doing it the so i, I did intermittent fasting as part of the the bit i did before christmas and it was really good because they were saying right if you you know do it small to start with so don't eat past nine o'clock in the evening and then skip breakfast if you go all the way through to lunch then um you've done a whole bunch of fasting and you didn't even realize it and i was like oh yeah and then if you just skip lunch as well and then go on to on to dinner then there you go that's 24 hours done and and actually so you're starting off the night before then that works really well and but then he was starting to push it a bit for, so I, missing breakfast i found dead easy because yeah. i you know this whole you know i don't know how, what it's like in the states but in the uk very much it was very much the breakfast is the most important meal of the day you must do it and i'm like well maybe in old times but it made sense that actually i don't really need it um it's an easy meal to to skip because i'm still asleep so i don't realize i missed it um but then i would sort of skip lunch but then in the evening i would come home say about five o'clock in the evening um from the office and it was got to the place that amanda my wife or the the kids would have to have something to throw at me as soon as i walked in the door because apparently i got a bit hungry um ah. so apparently they could tell when i was on a fasting thing because i was slightly <laughs> tetchy um and so they would just throw food at me as soon as i walked in and um but the the whole low carb thing works really well um my problem is i just like carbs a lot <laughs> yeah same i did keto before um that that was pretty successful i mean like i there, there's things that work and i find one of the things that works for me the best is when i limit myself in in some capacity right like um i, I think with carbs the rule is very simple eat as little carbs as possible right with intermittent fasting it's only eat between these hours anything outside those hours you can't do right and i think that's why um you know if you count your calories that works too but i'm not so great with like the um the composition of meals right so i'm, I'm good with yeah. the limitations but not the composition. I'll like, you know, take a hamburger and fries any day. Um, yeah, as long I'm as I'm that. counting the calories and, you know, and I know that's not the healthy way to do it, but uh, I do find that those like hard limits for me are what I find um, work best. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, um, so, so this, this whole experience this week, and mm. I guess over the last month or so has, has had me really craving some, some sort of, uh, unified interface to like look at all of my health data, right? Like I want to look at my dental records next to my health records and my and my blood tests, and I want to see that next to even my Fitbit data, and I want to see that next to my optometry data, my eye data, right? Like I want to see all yeah, this yeah, together yeah, yeah. and kind of get like a, a, a and maybe you know having all this stuff tied together. This is just a pitch for somebody if they want to put this together. Uh, make an API that, you know, kind of connects to all these different services used by all these different healthcare professionals. Right? And maybe there might be some cue, there some clues that like in your eyes and your mouth that and your Fitbit data that contribute to your health factors that maybe you didn't see before. And 
Um, I guess that would be the business model, right? You you have users anonymize their data, and so you can look at it and and provide potentially insights. recommendations or care yeah. and insights. I don't know. It, I I I find myself really craving that because right now I'm like like I said I'm looking at you know multiple papers with my stuff on it, and there's apps, of course, but like it is interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, certainly. My UK experience is that healthcare professionals, so all of, most of our healthcare is joined up. And so doctors and, well, it's sort of joined up actually, you know, optometry and hearing and that um, isn't necessarily in the same place, but they all have the, um, all of your notes. So that would work. Um, but we as consumers don't actually really get to see them notes. I think we can ask for them. I think we could see, but also that, you know, you don't know what doctors are writing anyway, so they, they have their own special code. And um, and so you wouldn't see it. So it, it is interesting, the fact that we don't actually have easy access to our own um, own data in a way that is meaningful to us. Right. Um, so, or, or even the ability to, like, communicate things across um, specialties, right? So, like, mm -hmm. let's say... Let's say I am taking a new medication and I want that to be sent out to my optometrist, to my dentist, to, you know, basically anywhere else that might be relevant, that might have an interaction with that medication, especially, um, you know, an, an adverse reaction. It'd be cool mm -hmm. to have that all synced up. And then, you know, you have apps like, oh, hey, I bought this today because doctor's orders blood pressure. Uh, you know, like what if <laughs> what if? You know, this synced up to everything, too. And you could just get a, I don't know, a, a big picture of your health. That would there's got to be a market for that. And there's laws, I'm sure, that prevent it from um, happening in a in a way that makes sense. But like, I don't know. It's just I, I think also the, probably the medical, the official medical domain, the uh, the professionals in, in, in that domain would probably be against it. For They're probably lobbying against it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Probably for two reasons. One is that um, that's their specialty field and actually that's where they get paid the big bucks is because we don't understand that stuff. But two, I think we are already bad enough at looking at a little bit of data, <laughs> going onto the internet and realizing that just from that little bit of whatever it is that you're suddenly going to die in the next 30 <laughs> seconds. Um, the fact that we just can't, you know, um, we're very bad at self-diagnosis already. Yeah. Um, becoming hypochondriacs, but would would having that information just make us worse, or would it make us better? Actually, if we had that, had the our entire picture in front of us, and we could actually contextualize things a bit better, would that mean so. that we'd be less hypochondriacs? I'd like to say that um, that we would become less less hypochondriacs, but I don't think that's the case. Um, I know even I I can be, even though I, I do try and not do it. There are, there are times when I do sit there and go, well, actually, I've got this and this. That that means this and therefore i should do you no know, way too many things yeah um we should do some some show notes yeah we should because i haven't touched them today and i see you've put a lot in there uh so we did, I, we did so much last week that um i felt i, I needed to step up i've chucked in four it came from which... Excellent. Let me take a look at this. Because so I, I did look at the show notes, and I think you have a great outline. And I I think I am good and prepared to talk about any of these things um, at length. Uh, yeah. I, I have I have no no problems there. So yes, let's let's get through the it came from's, and I think we'll be good on the show notes. Um, 
So I've, oh. I've thrown four in there that have been that I'd sort of checked up during the week that I thought would be kind of interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. The first one around Preston was UX, your experience this week. I thought it would be contextual. Also, I didn't know whether that was good or not. I just thought it was interesting. Interesting, yeah, for sure. And I thought I th- that that's kind of my, uh, or was the impetus for one more thing. Um, it's kind of like, hey, what <laughs> what have you seen this week that's been awesome? Um, but then we slowly evolved that into more bantery. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, mute problem. <laughs> oh, geez. Just so, so I like this idea when... Um... I mean, it is. I mean, I got through. I must have got through nearly an entire. In fact, I got through an entire week this week without actually accidentally leaving myself on mute. I take that as a, um, as a bit of a plus nowadays. Um, but it is what the reason I quite. I think that's quite interesting. Is that actually for both Zoom and for Teams, the way you, there should be just a simple key button press just to turn yourself on and off mute easily without having to do a, a mouse button press, um, and none of them have it. They're all either a combination button. I mean, Teams is majorly complex, um, comparatively. Um, well, well, Zoom, Zoom has the push talk, so you, you push down the space bar. It is, but you, I want to be able to switch it on and off. Not, I don't like push to talk. So I want to be able to press it. And oh, I press sure the space bar. I don't think. It, no, I think I'm, I might have. I mean, hard enough. But like, I, look, I, old school chat it. software like Ventrilo. Like that, that had it figured out. You could either toggle on or off, and and uh, mm. I like I, I I imagine that those um, exist in in the software today. I don't know if it if, if it's worth a whole discussion. We can we can talk about it here, but maybe maybe another one instead of that one. Uh, That's why I give us four. Um, the next one around teens I thought was interesting actually because there's a whole age thing and there's a whole actually should it be a website anyway and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, given that most teens don't use websites Ooh, anymore, that's heavy hitting. Mm. Which one? The, 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 the topic, anyway. The, the teens. Mm. Um, we could use that as a springboard for for like how to interact with special populations. And I mean, there's you know any human research uh, training will teach you how to take special care with those. Um, specialized populations, at-risk populations. Children are one of those. Um, but also, it just it springboards us into looking at what the next um, the next interaction platforms are. Um, because you know, when when I deal with other stuff, we talk about you know how do we do it on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Well, actually, 11 seventeen-year-olds aren't using Facebook and Twitter; they're using Snapchat and uh, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, hang on, hang on. I had um, okay. Sorry, I had I had a question uh, it come up in our Slack that Ooh. I do want to make sure that we talk about um, because it was a good question. Uh, and so, so there's one we can we can talk about one for sure. It's about accredited versus not accredited HFES universities. Um, and uh, I'd be gir- I'd be curious to get your input as someone who has a not ad uh, classical um, training at a university. Cool. Yeah, that's good. I just uh, put one at the bottom actually about 
um, titles, um, role titles, are they important or not? I like that. That's actually one of the ones that I was looking at earlier this week. I'm sorry, I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. I really like that. That one's number two. Number three. Um, I don't know if I'm crazy about the sign-up one either, to be honest. Uh, those are those are interesting little like short short sharp ones. Yeah, they're they're almost like opinion based. Um, I guess what what is the word I'm looking for here? They're they're almost like um you you should research this based on your own domain, and this is not like a generic knowledge question. Yep. No. Um, there's one in that came in this evening around skills regarding HFE and robotics. I saw that one. I'm pondering that one. I don't know if I know enough about that domain to speak intelligently about it. That's never stopped me in the past. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I mean clearly robotics is is where we are at now and clearly going further in the future. Um, I quite like that. I think that could be quite a. Um, I mean, to be fair, the answer is yes. Clearly, um, we are need them and we're going to need more of them. There you go. So I've I, just done it. I saw one um, that was. more along the lines of like do I go on to do a masters if um oh if was that my, the HC, HCI one was it was something like right yeah. uh oh, no. do do I go on to do a masters if I have um a, a bachelor's in human factors or HCI or whatever it is you know oh, it's okay. like I, I don't. Oh, there was, yeah, there, there was another one here, sort of similar. You know, what's the? Would I be able to get a job if I had if I had uh, an undergraduate HCI certificate? Um, yeah, where is that one? At yesterday, at two o'clock or ten past, uh, eight minutes past two. What, what date? Sorry. Uh, yesterday. Is it yesterday. But I couldn't. I couldn't paste it. So if nothing else, can go in the bank as well. Oh yeah, that's not the one I was thinking of. There's definitely um... here. Right, I'm going to I'm going to take these ones. Um, I'll put them in the bank for now. Ah, um... uh, here it is. What's what's the job prospect difference with a graduate certificate versus a? Oh wait, no, that wasn't it. Uh, undergrad after graduation. Okay. Well, that's not it. Where was it? I, I'm really struggling with finding where this question was at. Oh, well, it's gone. I've lost it. Sorry, everyone. 
Um, been like the best question ever, and you just <laughs> don't care about it. Maybe I maybe I misread, misremembered. I'm not sure. Um, I knew I should have marked it. That's that's what I should have <laughs> done. Ah well. There was one. Or was it? Did, was this last week? MBA versus HCI degree. Maybe that was it. Though I think tenth half. Oh yeah, we must we must have talked about that last week. That's over a week ago. Hmm. Um, desperate for help with statement of purpose. Why do you? Why do we ever ask for other people to write these things? Are you a salaried employee, in, independent contractor, or freelancer? Oh, statement of purpose. How do you feel about statements of purposes? Oh, well, I mean, that, that specific question is is asking for other people's examples, so, but like, that's how, do you, how do you, how do you, how do you write about your purpose? Like, that is a hard thing to do. I remember struggling with that when I was applying yeah. to grad schools. See, I was lucky because I didn't have to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, well, look, actually, because of my, because of my undergrad route, I didn't even have to apply to university because I did it through the military and therefore I had one university to go to and I, as long as I got the minimum grades, I was going to that university. So I didn't have to go and apply. All I had to choose was the, the course that I wanted to do. And, and there was only one real course that dealt with computing um, and computer programming, which is what I was big into at the time. And therefore I was like, okay, I'll go and do that one. And as long as I, as long as I got, I think it was two C's, um, at, my A-levels, then that's where I was going, and I did. So seeing my daughter go through um, all the application process for university at the moment, she's like, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm like, literally no idea. Um, so that's where Amanda's much, much more used than I am because she actually had to do the whole job properly. Um, so, um, but we, well, that was interesting. I was talking recently to some, um, to, to some university staff some university lecturers where we were talking about, you know, um, writing statements of purpose and, and that type of thing. They're like, literally, we rarely get a chance to read it or it can, you know, you normally, because the criteria for getting into the course um, is so based on grades and things like that, that actually the statement of purpose rarely makes actually that much of a difference. Hmm. So. Yeah, I've not seen it from the uh, academic side. Um only only writing it right and and like i don't know if i if i were to approach a statement of purpose today uh how would i approach it and how would you approach it and like that that might be a fun discussion mm. right because yeah, i'd approach it very differently today than i would you know 10 years ago yeah i guess that's also to do with positioning though isn't it because chuck it in let's talk about it that's i think that's that's worth doing okay um all right, yeah, let's let's do it because I I am struggling right now to even figure out how I talk about this, but I still think it's a great um, yeah. 
I mean, that's what makes it fun, right? Did you grab it? Uh, I'm by just the grabbing way? it now. Okay. I'm. I yeah. I lost there it. I'm looking for it. Okay, you got it. Okay, cool. So I think we're good with our notes, right? That's. Yep. Okay, cool. Let's. Uh... Should probably strip out the bank actually, because the bank is quite huge. We probably we, we just scroll past it every week. We do. Um. You know what? Though? I'm I'm okay with keeping the bank because you never know. You never know. You just might need it. <laughs> when when it's like even this week, I was like, ah oh, shit, we're gonna have to dig it in the bank. Cool. That's and that. and uh, at our um, at our lab uh, kickoff meeting, I, I did mention there were some work threads that I want to chase down that might actually benefit having that bank there. Okay. So, um, C O, mm. and this is. over one more time to see if there's anything else we need to include here um we are i guess eight minutes out from the official start of the show um so we'll see but i think uh just in terms of show notes it is pretty complete so thank you sir for stepping in today while i stepped out and took care of my health no worries it's it's, it's what being a team's all about that is true Teamwork. Is that the right episode number? Yes, it is, because it? it was 231 last week. 232. Because I've been doing mine in seasons. Yes. Uh, I've literally just started season four. Sometimes I cannot believe that we have done 232 episodes of this thing. And you've been around for, what? what when did you start on, on the show? Because um, at some point, I just need to make you like a permanent resident on our website of like, <laughs> hey, you are a host and include you in the, in the show description. I was thinking about that today. I was like, um, oh, shit, I should probably. I can't remember what I started. Was it September that I started chatting to you on Twitch? On. And it was around that sort of time then Blake started his new role and stuff. And yeah. Yeah, I that sounds about right. Timeline. It all happened quite quickly, didn't it? Yeah, it but, did. Um, um, well, here I have a way that we can check. Um, if you go on over, oh, you should go. We have to go on the website, and it should tell you. Official website, yeah. Hang on, I will. I will bring it up here for everybody watching along. Um, let's see here. So, if you go on over to our official website, uh, and you scroll all the way to the bottom here, you'll see the host. And this is where I was saying we gotta we gotta include Barry on there. Because we have uh, some of our lab members, and I got to update that too. Our lab members, if you come all the way down here to guests, uh, we should see. Oops, accidentally called my wife just now. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. It's just uh, 
I didn't mean to. And she knows I'm podcasting right now. So it, you've been on you've been on with us for 16 episodes? That's insane. Really? 16 episodes, yeah. Well, because I guess the team sees that you did and the 2021 yeah, that, recap and... Um, so when did I... Yeah, oh. 219 was the first episode we had you on. That, that was September, wasn't it? Back end that of September, was September 24th, yeah. Look at that. High quarter of a year. Over a quarter of a year. Yeah. I think, uh, well, this is going to be rather sad when... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to handle this with the website. So when, when I move you over to a permanent host, what does that do for, cause you're no longer a guest. Oh. I can't call you a guest. And so like, I can't see what episodes you were on. I just at some point have just, to say you're a part of it. And um, people will be I disappointed if they go back before 219 and you're not there. But then I guess there would be a, yeah, I was going to say, uh, I don't know. I'll just leave it as a guest. It's fine. It's, um, I'll go, I mean, I guess you were technically both. a guest. Technically a guest in these ones and, and, until you move it over, then... Yeah, yeah it's, I, it's, what do I need? Like a, a year's worth of um, proving myself before... Nah, man. Like, it's like three months. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we're there. September, so October, November, December. Yeah, you're there. You're there. Yeah. Uh, we're we're good. You've been you've been on the show for a quarter of a year at this point, uh, and so yeah, if you're not a permanent permanent resident of the Human Factors cast, I don't know what it would take. <laughs> Blood and uh, and stuff. Uh, all right, uh, let's see here. We have three minutes out. Um, do you have anything fun to talk about in those last three minutes? Oh, fun things? No, well, no. The fun thing I was, I'm saying for my one more thing anyway. Okay. So, um, okay. so I'm going to leave that there because that was about something I did today, which was quite bizarre but amusing. Um, though, actually, the I could, I could talk about that. So, in my one more thing, I'm going to be talking about um, the electra did to um, human practices and ergonomists in Iran. Um, and so oh, I'll talk I saw. About, yeah, mm. I saw you the, posted about that. Yeah, so but the weird thing was, you know, we we originally agreed going to do it at twelve o'clock, um, my time. So, and then again, so I'd had a meeting finish at eleven, and I was like, I've got myself half an hour. I, I messed around a bit. And I went down, went back to the house to say hello to the family before I jumped into this thing, and then I get a message from. I checked my phone, got a message. We're here waiting for you, half eleven. What's going on? So, I'm like, oh, no, oh no, we 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 changed it on the poster, didn't you see? I was like, oh no, it's in Persian. How am I meant to understand it? Um, yeah, they changed it on the post, but didn't, but didn't actually change my, you know, the the, the the invited bit. And I was like, okay, so I had to literally come run back up to the end, up into here. Thankfully, I'd set things up because I was trying to work out how I was going to set my screens up and stuff. And so it was there ready to go. But I was just like, oh, crikey. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Almost... Uh... Almost like getting a, a message from from me at like 10, 8, 10 p.m. going, where are you? Well, it, well, that's what made me laugh because I was like, "Oh, it's, it's, look, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not immune to time zone issues." And they're like, and then he's messaging me going, "No, no, we did, we, we did change it to half 11. Uh, you should have seen that on the poster." And I was like, uh, "Okay, oops, my bad." <laughs> um, so, but anyway, being the consummate professional that I am, I, I jumped in and delivered the goods. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Wow, I'm just I'm just now searching um, 
Twitter for what's trending. Why is Netflix down 20% oh. in after hours? Yikes. Wow. That's like the time where like WhatsApp went down. I just have to go away on business. And I was like, well, who am I going to talk to now? Um, <laughs> right? And like Facebook chat was down. I was like, I can't talk to anybody. I might have to actually ring somebody up and actually have a proper conversation. Oh, I should have clarified. Netflix stock. Oh, Netflix stock. Okay. 20%. Oh, what are they selling? Insane. Or are they, they merging with somebody? I don't know. What do you want to expect to go down for a merger? But, uh, well, yeah. well depending on who it was with. I guess now's the time to buy. Not a financial advisor, but uh... I don't. I don't do stock. I'm not that much. Of, I don't mind taking certain risks, but I, I just, yeah, it's gambling, stock, gambling. I, I just don't know what I'm doing, um, and the chances. I mean, I have played with the um, the uh, fantasy market type thing, but yeah, not so much. Um, oh, actually, just before we do go live, Rams won the won the first game of the playoffs. We we very it's, excited. It's, is that good? That is I good. I don't know. I'm, I'm a new convert to American football. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's the only sport I actually follow now. Um, oh, geez. And because I don't really follow other sport as such, but this I've, I've, I've really got into now. It'll last a couple of months and then the then it'll all wear off. Yeah. Well, season's almost over, isn't it? Super, it Superb is. Owl is coming up here pretty quick, right? We're in the uh, like I say, we just got the playoff season to go. We, we're very close to the Super Bowl. Um, the LA Rams are. You know, we 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 are on the right uh, we're on the right track. Um, <laughs> see, I, I know all about it now. I've, st- I've yeah. I've look at you! Games. Wow, I, you I, you sound like, like you know what you're talking about. I don't I don't know <laughs> from someone on the outside. All right, well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna take just a quick break, and we'll be back to start the show. Uh, so stick with us. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everybody. It is episode 232. Wow. (laughs) Right off the bat here. Uh, Yeah, I should probably redo that. All right. Ready? Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It is episode 232. We're recording this live on January 20th, 2022. Lots of twos in there. And this is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Hey, good evening. Hey, good evening. We do have a great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about living your entire life in the metaverse. And later, we're going to take some of the questions from the community about whether or not you want to attend accredited versus non-accredited HFES master's programs, uh, whether or not job titles are truly important. And uh, let's talk about statement of purposes. That's that's also an interesting topic. But first, uh, just a quick community update. We are still um, taking applications for the Human Factors Cast Digital Media Lab. If you are interested in that, uh, please let us know. Reach out to us, and we'll be happy to have a conversation with you about what the lab can do for you. Uh, all right, we know why you're here. You're here for Human Factors News, so let's go ahead and get into it. Yes, we have quite the interesting story this week. Barry, why don't you break it down for us? So the story is experts say people will soon live their entire lives in the metaverse. So do you ever watch films like Ready Player One or The Matrix where you just plug yourself in or put on the suit and you're there in the virtual environment 
able to look how you wish and do what you want. Tired of that day-to-day -day grind? Want to tra travel the world, see amazing things, and even transform into an entirely new person? Well, come to these people, you're in luck. Experts believe you'll soon be able to live your whole sad life in the metaverse. The director of consulting for Future Today Institute told the New York Post she believes that a large proportion of people will be in the metaverse in some way by 2030. Whilst many will be using it only for work, she believes that it will play a bigger role for others. In fact, they added that will the uh, will live the majority of their waking lives, jack, uh, waking hours. Sorry, jacked in. Um, AI wearables where may, may be as pervasive as smartphones today. Uh, the CEO of 3D software startup Cesium told the Post. He added that he believes that the products like Facebook Oculus headsets might one day completely replace cell phones. Though we're still a way off from that, and even that 2030 prediction is very likely over, overly ambitious. Metaverse technologies are still woefully archaic, as anyone who's ever worn an Oculus product for more than half an hour can probably attest. So while some companies are jumping onto this metaverse train in a big way, the technology is still fairly unrefined and limited to a relatively small number of use cases like video games and deeply unpopular concerts. It's probably a bit harsh. Um, but they do admit that fully realized metaverse, um, such as Necromancer or Ready Player One, is likely far off into the future. Saying that if you're asking when we'll all be running around Neo-like in the Matrix, it's probably a bit further out than 2030. So, Nick, where are you with the with the metaverse? Are you ready to jack in, or do you just want to tell it to jack off? <laughs> did you workshop that one before the I did show? Have, but did, was it good or what? <laughs> wow. Uh, look, so, uh, man, this... In the far future, far future, maybe, maybe maybe life will be so abysmal on this planet that we will need a, a permanent form of escapism in the near term. No, not at all. Uh, I, this, this story is uh, an interesting one and I'm really glad both our patrons and the general public chose this story tonight because this is one that we were kind of teasing last week uh, about virtual reality and, and really all this stuff. I am curious on what your thoughts on this article are just, gut check and then i want to talk about what the metaverse actually is before we get into a little bit more deeper discussion yeah i mean i'm just there with kind of like we said like really are we really talking about this right now i can see the appeal to a certain extent you know the we've all watched various films and, and things like that and read books where you you um like say you dock into your to your station and there are you can see a number of advantages um that you know you you can be who you want and and that type of thing but you do have to stop being a teenager at some point um and there is this thing human contact i mean there's so many people now especially i think with the with the pandemic um and lockdowns happening that you really now i guess relish or understand or at least appreciate human contact when you haven't been able to see people for so long so I can see more online happening and I can see the the better we can integrate with online, getting away from keyboard mice and, and having to use screens and stuff. That is all brilliant. That will enable us to have um, a, a greater experience. But I can't see us going to that point of living our lives online in the way that this article su suggests because of, well, a whole lot of issues that I dare say we, we're going to get into. So enough about what I think about it. What is the metaverse? What, what do you think? What do you believe the metaverse is? Yeah, let's talk about the metaverse. This is a 
really ambiguous term when you actually think about what it could be. And I think I think about the metaverse in the same way that I think about virtual reality, uh, where where virtual reality is uh, traditionally thought of as like you you put these VR goggles on and you're in this uh, 3D computer animated environment. Um, and I, I tend to think of it a little bit more broadly than that. Virtual reality is any anything that takes you out of what you're doing and puts you either mentally or physically or metaphysically in a different environment. And so this could be anything as simple as like storytelling to mm-hmm. me, right? You, you are transported to another world when you are reading a book. Um, and somebody is so vibrant with their words that they're able to paint a picture of what it's like to be there. And if it's in, you know, first person, the book, then you're able to transport yourself into that environment. Um, I, I think that's a broader version of, um, virtual reality. I think when we talk about the metaverse, to me, this is just as ambiguous because you could very easily replace metaverse with internet. And yeah. it would largely have the same uh, conceptual basis behind it. I think when we talk about metaverse, I think that the broad understanding of it is these virtual spaces in which you are navigating through or or interacting with um, in a 3D environment. So I think that's what people think of when they think of these metaverses, right? You have some sort of virtual avatar and you can go from different environment to different environment and interact with either other people in that environment or other characters in that environment. And, and the purpose of those environments is for a variety of reasons. It could be like, you know, you could be in a mental health space where you are uh, meditating, or you could go into a game space where you're actually just playing a video game with your friends or a, watching space where you're watching a TV show with others or this, um, you know, if we want to get really immersive, some sort of shared space where there's immersive storytelling happening all around you and and you're able to uh, witness it from your perspective. And so there's a lot of things that the metaverse is is meant to encompass or that the current vision of the metaverse encompasses. And I think there are a lot of different issues when we think about actually living in this environment. I want to get your take on the metaverse. What is it to you before we start jumping into some of these concepts? See, th- this is where I, I think it's quite interesting because we look at where we're at now and where you, you're right. When we talk about the metaverse, we suddenly we get into automatically assume it's an immersive environment. You're wearing some sort of goggles or, you know, it's it's visual, it's audio, it's, um, it's bringing all that together. It is not where you're at now. But then when I just sort of break down that word meta, it, it, it is all about just data or, or added data. Um, and when you said it's about, you know, it's just fundamentally the internet is is that kind of it? Because you, you could on one level argue that what we're doing right now, you know, we're in two different countries, two different time zones coming together through the internet to provide a um, almost a, a, a you know, a, a visual and audio experience for other people. Um, you know, is that not, the metaverse, well, probably not. Well, not probably not when, what people's imagination of it would be, because we're not wearing goggles, we're not in some sort of hyper-realistic environment. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think it 
it does have to include a that the environment because that's what the people are led, led to believe it is but i think actually it could be a lot a lot simpler than that um in, in what we're doing but um yeah i think like i say it, it's ambiguous i think there's somebody's got to make a lot of money off it fundamentally yeah i think i think you're right there's 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 a lot of different definitions of the metaverse and there's a lot of different concepts of what it could be and what it is but let's talk about some of the human factors issues with being online all the time and specifically with living life in the metaverse and how all this kind of plays into the human factor side of the house um we have this broken down by a couple different categories physical issues mental health social issues environmental issues and control issues where do we start barry what, what do you want to tackle first well when I was starting to look at the issues around this, it is really interesting when you think about it that you've got to look at um, your, the, the human elements, the human factors of this in two different spaces. So I'm actually taken as as given that the interface that you interact with, so the the, the that metaverse, the, the visual aspects and the audio, that they're good. I mean, we kind of they will evolve over time, and we know about good usability in that respect to make thing make things engage. Though there is still a lot of work to be done in that space. What really gripped me was the idea: if we're going to live in that metaverse, how do we? What are the things we need to consider in the real or the physical um, universe, the uh, our, our everyday living, that we would need to work out a way of existing um, in between the both? So. To start off with, I mean, physical issues. Let, let's, you know, the fundamentals of your body needs to hydrate and it needs to have nutrition and, and exercise and, and things like that. If you're constantly um, plugged in or uh, you've got your um, screens on for a good percentage of the day, even if you're, um, you know, you're wearing it six, seven, eight hours a day for work, and then you, you're then just taking it off, well, you're going to be set, you're going to sit there and you need to have, eaten stuff you need to have drank something so does that mean you we certainly got to have um iv drips does that mean we've got to have a um we, we've got to have um, food fed to us by in liquid form through through medical devices um how do we deal with exercise i mean i'm not the smallest person as it is, as it is. um and i spend try and spend as much time um away from my desk as, as as i can so i'm getting out getting on getting getting some exercise how do we make that um how do we make out make sure that we're getting the exercise so we don't become massively overweight? Though I guess if we're moderating the amount we're eating and drinking because they come in through uh, through lines, then maybe that's a bit easier. But we see it and go back to the, um, the 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 film The Matrix, where they talk. Actually, they hit this in terms of muscle atrophy. If you're not moving around very much, your muscles aren't going to be used. Therefore, you know when you actually come to get up or or you know if you if we need to go and live in our, our real world. Then your muscles are just going to have wasted away. Um, we, we do have some specialism, some skills in that because of what happens when you go into space as well. Um, but fundamentally, toilet breaks. You know, we've got to be able to deal with waste products of, of the body as well. So I mean, they're just a handful of them, them physical issues that we've got to deal with. Um, I don't know. Is there is there something? Is there some of the other issues that sort of pop out to you that you uh, you think we should be exploring? Yeah, you. I, I do want to touch briefly. You, you mentioned that we kind of have some of these usability issues ironed down. There are some concerns that we need to think about from that perspective. And this is not one of those categories that we really had uh, initially, but I do want to talk about it briefly. You know, we have um, sort of these usability of issues of like, how do you navigate within these virtual spaces? How do you navigate between within spaces? Is it intuitive enough uh, to kind of point a cursor in that direction and move over in that direction? Or is it um, 
are, are we eventually going to hook it up to our brains and and have our brains control our avatars motion through these environments so there's a lot of other usability issues that we have to consider with some of these advances in technology if we truly want to get to sort of this metaverse uh immersive experience feel like we're there type of thing mm -hmm. I, I don't think we're there yet i think there's a lot to still um discover there and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this with the social issues but then there's also the actual usability of how do you interact with other people do you go up to them and type in a space or do you speak out loud is it a proximity uh <clears throat> proximity chat where you can hear others in close proximity to you are there ways to mute other people are there ways to um sort of enhance some of your friends volume as they're coming through so there's a bunch of usability issues with that as well and those that i just wanted to touch on that because i think we kind of glossed over that but there are uh, th those are just a few examples of many, many challenges that will have to be overcome if we truly want to get to the point where we're jacking in a, a plug to our brain and and being able to interact with this virtual world. Right. Uh, and I know conceptually the metaverse we just talked about it is is not quite there in maturity yet, but I think that's where a lot of people see it going. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right, that whole interface to how we plug into it, you know, everybody immediately thinks of the matrix where you're going to have this big probe in the back of your head. Um, I mean, the practicalities of such a, such an interface, I mean, brain HCI is a, is a becoming a growing field at the moment. Um, but I think just the, the, that element of how do you actually physically, so really you want to get, you want to stop using any sort of peripheral devices. You want just, direct uh, direct communications which is that's that that whoever nails that straight off will, that will be yeah. the massive game changer yeah we have a couple other categories here you want to talk about mental health yeah i mean the mental health of people is going this is going to be really um pros and cons with this to a certain extent because one one of the things is well we could easily disconnect with reality um and therefore if you constantly are in in the metaverse and you that that means that you're curating um your own version of reality at any one time because you'll only talk to the people you want to talk to you'll only see what you want to see and therefore you don't get challenged and therefore will you be as um where will your mental health robustness be where will it come from but by the same token um all those things that almost depress us in real life um you know everything from um uh, physical appearance to what you what you look like um i mean one of the um issues that that have come out around sort of facebook and instagram and things like that is the the drive particularly for um young women to look certain ways and actually this is where one when this thing could could help because along the idea rather than having to apply filters all the time you're going to have your own avatar and the avatar can be whatever it is that you want it to be so you can be who you want to be more so than who you are so this could work in really two ways. I just worry that um, that there will be a disconnect between your true mental state and your projected mental state. Your identity. Uh, and I, I mean, this yeah. is happening now. This is happening now with people who catfish other people. Yeah. They are they are in some cases embodying these other profiles on on dating websites that that they feel more accurately represents who they are as a person, and they're using that as a way to connect with other individuals uh, to, to kind of bypass the, the physical attraction that happens between two people. 
um, or, or to hack it in a way. So that way they kind of get in to, to have a conversation with them. And it's incredibly, it can be incredibly destructive in, in some cases. Uh, and, and that is something that we'll have to consider moving into this, you know, <laughs> virtual environment, this, this metaverse where, yeah, the way that we interact with others is, is going to be very different because I think in some, in some ways, when we interact with people here now in reality, we have sort of an intuition around whether or not that person is being truthful or dishonest. And this this is a lot of different psychological factors that go into this, like like uh, like body language or um, oh, you're writing it in the notes now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could we could jump into social issues too. Uh, let, let's do it because we're talking about it, right? I, I'm talking yeah. about catfish. Let's talk about the social issues. And how these relationships that you're having with other people, are they real? I don't know. You'll have to kind of approach this virtual metaverse with the lens of I can't trust anybody who I'm talking to and I can't know for sure who I'm talking to. But if everyone's jacked into the metaverse and everyone's living there, then is it is it then then how do you deal with these these uh, um these differences in identity where do you even have a physical identity at that point? Or are you just existing online? This is, this is a really complex um, thing to think about. And, and the way that we interact as humans is going to be fundamentally different in a virtual space. than it would be in a physical space because we won't have all those biological markers that we have in, in real space, right? We, we won't see somebody else sweating when they're lying. We won't see their eyes shifting in different directions. We won't see them fidgeting. All this stuff is hidden in a virtual environment. And so that's a lot that we have to consider. I, I, I mentioned that in terms of body language, right? Um, people gesticulate with their hands while they're talking. I'm, you know, exhibit A, I'm, I'm over here <laughs> gesticulating with my hands. Uh, and, and so I think in terms of how we interact with people, there's going to be a, a difference. There's also um, sort, sort of the ability to be connected with others in a, in a way and at a scale that we as humans are not built to do, right? And I think we're already seeing this with stuff like social media. We are connecting with others at a scale uh, that we were not biologically evolved to do. Um, I, I can send out a tweet from the Human Factors Cast uh, Twitter, and, and it will reach many people. And it's it's kind of crazy to think about that we didn't have that type of um, environment as, as we were evolving as humans. And so that's a whole other world in which we have to consider: is how do we communicate at scale? It's still something that we have to figure out. And how do we sort of interact with people at scale? Uh, was there anything else from that social issues that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I guess the, I mean, the, just to f um, expand on, on a couple of bits, the, you know, when we interact with people, you know, we, we sort of maybe picked up on some negative bits, but it's the, you know, when we've, one of the things I found during the, the pandemic is we, I give a lot of presentations and stuff online now. And if you, if I give a live presentation, if you give a live um, presentation in front of a room, you can read the room. Um, right. you, you know, whether people are taking things in, you know, they're either nodding along with you or the, the frowning and the, the, you maybe take that as a, as a cue, maybe you haven't got your point over quite right, or you can skip over some stuff or, or that type of thing. 
you just can't get that when you're presenting just to a, a screen. Um, you know, if you if you've got you know pe people with their their cameras, they're all switched off, and all you're doing is presenting to a bunch of letters. Um, you don't get the same sort of feedback um, loop that, that you had. But also, I guess there's them the. Uh, I mean, catfish is really is a really good example as well because actually, we how do we build you know romantic relationships in in the metaverse that that are real and, and meaningful? Um, I mean, actually, I, I watched my, one of my first episodes of um, Catfish the other day, and um, that, well, that that was a, an eye opening experience. And that, surely, this you know this idea of the metaverse is is just going to make that potentially more prevalent. Um, but then is the relationship false if it works in your head and you know you never got if you never meet that or that other person on the other side is that relationship demeaned in any way if it's not if it isn't truly what you think it is but as long as you know as long as it is to you what you think it is right that's a deeper, I, that's a deeper question i think this is this is a great kind of uh segue to a question that we got in the chat here from derica do you feel that this would fall into a separate sector for human factors professionals i think there's a lot of underlying psychological issues here that we have to consider but do you think this is is this falls into a separate sector for human factors professionals or do you think it falls under that vr umbrella i think i don't think it necessarily falls into a separate category a separate sector i do think that there is scope in the short term for it to be its own sector its own beast because it's going to be so novel it's going to be it's going to have such a co coalescing of issues that actually we need to be able to address them all with a um, you know but a, a real focus on it. But actually, all of the issues that um, that will come up, and all you know, uh, a lot of the attributes that we need to deal with, from usability to environmental to social to mental to physical, we already do that as part, as as HR professionals already um, in the in the different sectors that we have um, and in the different competencies. But I think there is a, there is definitely an argument for having a focus whilst. The whilst it matures, um, whilst it, if you still consider it in, it in its infancy, then um, can we, you know, we, we should probably have a good laser-like focus on it to make sure that uh, that we're at the forefront of, of what's going on with it. Yeah, I think I think from kind of an initial perspective, I think this is kind of a stem out of the virtual environments. If you're looking at like HFES, they have a they have a technical group uh, focused on virtual environments. I think this could be a good segue from that, uh, maybe where the seminal research will stem from. But I, I tend to agree with you, Barry, that if if this does truly become more prevalent, um, this, this might just live under that virtual environments umbrella. Maybe that umbrella gets bigger and we try to figure out uh, how to do all these interaction with, with all these different, um, you know, social issues, environmental issues, control issues, all this stuff. I think there are different technical groups or subsections, sub uh, proficiencies of human factors that already contribute a lot to this. And if we're really, if we're really talking about an, an Earth 2.0 or like a uh, a separate environment in which we engage in, I, I don't know if it really makes sense to do that. It could, it could. But I just, I just don't know. I think we're still so far in the infancy that I can't see that far out. Um, that's a that's a great question. Thank you for that one. I really appreciate that. Uh, let, let's get into some of these environmental issues. Um, do you want to talk about this one since I took social issues? 
<laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, the environmental really is about, you know, on, on a day-to-day basis, we interact with our physical environment. Um, we, you know, we, we, we touch it, we taste it and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the environment thrives or otherwise because of our interaction with it. How does that, how, what happens to the environment when we spend all of our time inside of a virtual environment? What happens to our real physical environment? Um, a, on the, on the face of it, we neglect, um, you know, that day, the day-to-day responsibility for, for our physical environment, but also that the virtual environment requires a certain amount of uh, physical attributes for it to, uh, for it to run. So just to generate the power to, if everybody's, um, hooked into the metaverse, that's going to require a you know, certain amount of you know, basic needs, electrical production. Um, where's all that going to come from if everybody's jacked into the um, into the metaverse? So there's it's that symbiotic or lack of symbiotic relationship with the real environment that I think we're going to have to um, um, we're going to have to look at. Um, that could be interesting, and I don't know I don't know quite what that is. I think it's just an issue that we need to be aware of. Here's what we do: we just get to a point where we can control robots in the physical environment with our virtual selves, and then we can just kind of build stuff up around us while we're all plugged in, right? Genius, and then, yes. That also, sorry, not to get back to social issues, but that also poses another problem for humankind. If we're all in in this metaverse, how do we how how do we reproduce and keep the human population stable? Yeah. Um, that is also back another to, issue that would have to be looked to, at. Back to the matrix. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, there's, there's a there's a real fundamental issue with in, with with all of this as well, which is who controls it? Who's yeah. you know? Let, let's talk about uh, like democracy. Let's talk about um, you know world power, world control. Because if everybody's into the in this metaverse, um, who's fundamentally running the metaverse? Who has responsibility for it? How how does demo how does democracy represent itself in a metaverse? Is it right that one company one or a, a small handful of companies own not only the data that you're putting into it and reacting with it, but the fundamental principles behind it and, and can control what's because you basically they would literally have godlike control of your life, of your working environments, of your or, you know all that sort of stuff, and could make it all end with in literally a keystroke. So yeah. where do, where does democracy apply to to this? Um, where's your 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 privacy rights? Um, and how do we stop abuse of power? I mean, it's hard enough to stop to stop abuse of power in the in the physical world at the moment. Never mind a um, a, a, a metaverse. Um, I just see a, a whole load of physical um, uh, physical controls, a, lot, a whole lot of uh, political issues that would really should come front and center with this and ask the so what question. Yeah, th- this is a good this is a good point, and I think. Right now, you know, there's there's definitely one uh, company who has a very strong vision on this. Uh, <laughs> but I think generally the way in which the metaverse has to come out and sort of evolve, I think, has to be natural. And I think it has to be a, a, a contribution from many different uh, sources for this very reason. Right. And, and everything needs to be able to play nice together from a technology and infrastructure standpoint to the point where we are making sure that humans come first, that those privacy concerns are checked at the door. We say, hey, you're entering this new space and here's everything that we need from you. We need biological data. We need, you know, all the stuff that could potentially be read into the environment. And so 
we want to make sure that that is salient as human factors professionals. We want to make sure that that information is salient and communicated effectively and that the people who are uh, interacting with those spaces understand who's in control and who has um, sort of admin privileges of being able to uh, kick you out of that environment or, or restrict your access to the stuff. Democracy is, is an interesting one um, because we're thinking from it from a, a Western perspective and mm-hmm. a, a democracies might not work for every culture. And so yep. that's another thing that you have to think of is like what what type of governments do exist in these environments? Are they truly democratic or are they, you know, uh, some sort of um, communist state where you have one person that dictates everything? Right. I, I don't I don't know. It's it's a question that needs to be explored in that space. And maybe it's a way for people to almost remove themselves from geographical borders. Mm-hmm. That might be an interesting case study where maybe you have somebody that's living in one country that's jacked into the metaverse, but then they're kind of living within the political structure of another digitally. It's 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 a whole complicated thing that needs to be thought out. Yeah, I think I think these are all really interesting points and definitely um some of these human factors issues that we really need to iron out before we get to that point where we are living in the metaverse. Yes. Uh, so do you realize afterwards, Oh, we should have really thought about that one. Yeah. It's kind of like, I, I see this as kind of following the same trajectory as um, a facial recognition where it's like, we can do this. Uh, should we do this? Uh, we should probably should have thought about this before we did this. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, we're kind of following that same trajectory and it's, that's why it's so important to include human factors uh, mm-hmm. in into these stages at, at the early early stages of design um especially for these almost life changing or or societal changing uh technologies uh you have a point here about our experience with uh, the VR and the metaverses do we want to talk about that at all yeah i guess the, it's just to highlight that um that this idea of metaverse isn't new as such or certainly VR environments um isn't new um you know Anybody's had to go on the Oculus Quest or Oculus Rift as, uh, as the only bit. Um, I've got not the Oculus Quest 2. Um, and I think it's it's quite good fun when I remember to use it. Um, sometimes it can sit on the side for ages before I'm like, oh, actually, I enjoy using that. Um, Beat Saber is one of my favorite games. Um, but then, you know, I've, I've played with some other bits that, that are really interesting. But then our Second Life was supposed to be the big thing it was going to be that everyone's doing um concerts in second life uh, the bbc was doing uh in the uk was, was doing um you know big things in in second life and it was going to be the uh that that amazing thing and it didn't it wasn't it was large i wasn't that never really that impressed but then minecraft at the moment uh you know a good eight bit representation of um of, of of an environment that kids like to play in and you know i like playing in there as well it's it, it's good it's simple you can do you can do what you think is that a metaverse in its own right um you also have fortnite still... fortnite too yeah, you got, yeah, right because they're having they're having the virtual conferences they're having these um these other events right like they showed the first trailer for episode nine uh for the first time in an interactive form in fortnite mm-hmm. and they have all these different characters in it so it, it that is kind of what i think of the closest thing to our idea of the metaverse right now. Um, and then of course you have Facebook and and they're trying to make their, sorry, meta, uh, formerly Facebook, trying to put their uh, spin on it too. 
Um, this last point, I'm glad you put in virtual conferences. <laughs> it, yeah, it, just it's, it's go, go and spin back to one of our uh, one of the previous episodes where we where we talked about virtual conferences at length. Um, yeah, but then oh, I mean, one, yeah, I, I, quite good that. Um, but fundamentally, I mean, what you know, we well, I guess one of the ones that I'd pull out would be the uh, the neuro ergonomics conference that they had the their representation. It was probably the closest meta. Uh, uh, meta experience that you would have uh, we're doing that because it included a lot more um, it wasn't just watching presentations it was much more about the interaction and stuff so yeah we kind of get in there is, is there another any any of the other VR environments that that stand out to you that we maybe haven't mentioned that uh, that you feel uh, worthy of a, of, of a name check uh, I don't know I I mean there, there's plenty of um, disparate virtual reality experiences that you've had but i think to me that the main difference is going to be having everything connected and being able to mm -hmm. jump seamlessly from one to another in a way that uh, makes sense feels good uh feels intuitive and um addresses all these issues that we talked about so with that said uh, let's let's kind of revisit the question here or or the sort of thesis of this article uh that we're citing here from futurism the, the experts are saying that someday People will live in the metaverse their entire life. Barry, do you think this is the case after we've talked about all these human factors issues that need to be resolved? Do you think do you think? No. No. I think I think that I think that we will end up spending um I think that our interaction with the internet, our interaction with um each other over over the the digital stream will change. It will adapt, it will become more seamless. That we will step into an environment and and that will work. Um, I think it, the usability of it will become a lot a lot more fluid. You you will it will become much easier to do. But I still think we will have our online and our offline lives. I think there is whilst in the short term or in the as it gets more mature and, and there's a novel still but still the novelty factor there. I think we'll you know we will spend a chunk of time online, but overall. Um, after say maybe 10, 15, maybe even 20 years, um, we will then find a right a balance between the online and the offline. What about you? What, what do you think? Do you see yourself being plugged in all of the time and not having to come up for air? Not in my lifetime. Hundreds of years from now, maybe, right? When we mm -hmm. figured out all these other issues to where we don't really necessarily have to be a physical entity anymore. Maybe we just at birth download our brains to the metaverse and then um you know our bodies die off but we live virtually one interesting i if just had a brain thought it doesn't happen often so i want to make sure it's recorded for posterity <laughs> is we've talked in the past about um you know going to mars and going to different planets and stuff would the metaverse be the answer for how we still communicate over them very large space uh very, you know very large distances um and the way to you know if you've got you've actually got family who's went off to mars and, and that type of thing is this the way that we would actually make sure that families stay together oh that's a good question i think we'd have to solve the issue of the time delay right if we can get quantum computing down where that's you know true. um a change happens in real time across a distance that's you know we're getting into physics here but uh a change happens near simultaneously across vast dis distances then i think I think that we can get there, but that's that's a physics problem, and we're human factors cast. So let's <laughs> let's move on. Uh, 
Well, huge thank you to our patrons and the general public this week uh, for our topic. And thank you to our friends over at Futurism for our news story this week. If you want to follow along, we do post the links to the original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog. You can also join us on our Slack or Discord for more discussion on these stories. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you as always to our patrons, especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patron, Michelle Tripp. Uh, you know, one thing that we don't do very often here in this little, uh, I, I don't even, I, I hesitate to even call it an advertisement. It is a public service announcement that this is a free service for you all. Um, we have a merch store. Uh, we have some neat designs over there that includes uh, It Depends t-shirts. It's almost like I planned this and I, di- I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear I did not. Um, yeah, we have the It Depends t-shirts. Uh, we have a show logo. Uh, y- y- I, I have a hoodie somewhere with it on it. Uh, other cool designs based on Human Factors culture, like I'm going to Human Factors the shit out of this, you know, and other fun things that you can get to uh, both support the show and uh, look good doing it. So there you go, Treasurer. I said something other than Patreon. But yes, we do want to thank all our patrons. Uh patrons and people who buy our merch keep the show running so thank you all so much for your continued support uh we're gonna go ahead and switch gears and get into this next part of the show we like to call it came from it came from yes once again uh this is the part of the show where we get into everything uh that the internet the metaverse if you will uh topics that they bring us right and and uh you know what? If you find these answers useful, no matter where you're watching, just give us a like. Help other people find this content. It's really helpful. Um, we have three tonight. The first one up here is is going to be from the Discord. This is the second week in a row. We've had a really good question from the Discord, so I want to make sure that we get to this one. This is by Deep Sea Hippo, and they, they write, What are y'all's opinions on attending an accredited versus not accredited master's HFES program? Barry, I'm going to pass this over to you because you are somebody who attended uh, not graduate school. And so um, or, or you don't have that experience. Uh, yeah. and, and so what is your experience maybe hiring others that have been to an accredited uh, institution versus not? Does it matter? Yes, yeah, so it was interesting because when I did my um, when I did my uh, bachelor's degree, it was in engineering. It wasn't in, in human factors and it was a. It wasn't a course that was accredited by the institute I wanted to get chartered by, so I it basically meant that when I come to do my chartership, I had to do you know jump through a whole lot of hoops. And really, that's fundamentally what it boils down to for me is if you're going to go, certainly in the um, in the UK, we would talk about the CIHF accredited um, uh, degree, and 
if you want to go on and, and get your full membership membership for the CIHF, now I'm, I'm assuming HFES is is similar, um, but particularly if you want to get your full membership or you want to and you want to get your chartership, uh, which you can get in the UK, then having the accredited degree makes your life a bit easier later on because it the it means that the institute knows what the uh, the components of that degree was. Um, but fundamentally, later on. Um, it really doesn't matter as much. I think if you, if you, as an employer, if I know that you've come from a, um, you've got a human factors degree and does it matter if, if it's been a CHF accredited one or an HFES accredited one, it's, it's, it's useful, but it's not the be all and end all, I think. Um, yeah, he, he's waving around his, it depends t-shirt, but, um, but it kind of does. It's, I don't think it makes a difference for jobs. I'll say that because we would talk to you anyway. And it's really about what you do and what you've done, not necessarily just the nature of your degree. I think it's about where you want to go uh, with your professional qualifications that it could have, it could make life a bit easier for you. Uh, um, but it actually in the grand scheme of things, if you want to get to a certain level, it, it's not going to block off any options for you. It might just, just mean you have to do a bit more, bit, bit more work further down the line. Yeah, I echo that sentiment. I think from the HFES side, uh, you're you're right. Where if they are accredited, then they do have a certain rigor or certain standards uh, associated with them, and so there is sort of a mutual understanding of of what you've been through, what you've studied, and where you're coming from. I think you're absolutely right there. It doesn't necessarily matter long term. I think experience is going to have a bigger role in that. And ultimately, your specialty is going to play the biggest role in where you go. And so if, if there's a program that makes more sense because it's more focused on your specialty and less on human factors, then do that. Uh, I think there are some other benefits to having a program that's accredited. Let's say if you wanted to work your way up the organizational hierarchy ladder, uh, you can certainly start at a, an accredited institution by becoming like a, a, a lower um, uh, starting at a lower position, like a note taker, official note taker of the Human Factors and Ergonomics Society, uh, your university division or whatever it is. Right. And, and then you slowly work your way up. Oh, president of that division. And then you can use that to kind of um, leverage yourself into the professional environment. And there are tons of opportunities for networking events and uh, other get togethers that happen at these conferences that I think are another kind of unspoken resource available to, to being able to, um, I guess, integrate with others from that community. So it just makes the friction, it makes it less, it makes it not frictionless, but there's less friction with trying to integrate into the society at large. If you want HFES to be your home. Um, you know, other people call other um, conferences and organizations home. But for us human factors practitioners, right, HFES, Chartered Institute, I think those ones are the ones that are, are typically um, looked at IEA, you know, from those perspectives. You want to you want to look at those, right? Get get your foot in the door there. I think that's kind of the biggest benefit to doing uh, an accredited versus not accredited program. But ultimately, I am going to point to my shirt again. It does depend on sort of what your trajectory is for your path. If you want to study something that's very specific, that's outside of that accreditation, don't rule it out. Because 
you can always become a member of that society. And it's not like they're going to look down on you for going to an institution that wasn't HFES accredited. It's just, it's a different set of coursework. Um, Most people won't know, to be fair. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. All right. uh, Getting on to this next one here. This one's by Jack, Jack, Jack on the user experience subreddit. Uh, Staff designers is the name, but this is more question about uh, role titles. So let's get into it. Is retaining your title important to you in your next role? So um, they go on to write staff slash UX slash staff UX slash product designer is a relatively new title. Many companies don't seem to have paths flushed out beyond senior. Um, are, are you accepting other offers with different job titles so long as the pay is comparable or looking at specific roles, even if it limits the number of organizations or companies that you can apply to? So let's talk about job titles. Barry, is that important to you? No. No. <laughs> I, I, it, it's different now. I mean, I was reflecting on this the other day because um, when I was in a larger organization, then, like, yes, I did the whole, I joined as a, I think it was a, a, a senior, um, and then worked up to, what was that, junior, then senior, then a principal, then a senior principal, um, before, you know, and, and it was important to me at that point to know that I was working up, up a ladder. And then you look at principal and but and you sort of think principal in one, one organization is the same as principal in another, though actually it probably isn't. Right. Um, they're probably at a different set of standards. It's just it's just a title at the end of the day. And then I um, obviously launched my own company. And actually my um, title now, yeah, okay, I'm a managing director, but I'm also chief cook, bottle washer. Um, you know, it's almost everything going. The, the Supreme title, leader. Supreme leader and and the person who cleans up after everybody. Um, so, you know, it's, I'm now, I don't care about the, about my job title because um, because my my perspective has changed and I, I've noticed that with a lot of sort of freelancers as well. If you're one man band contracting, then actually the the title to them doesn't really matter as much as long as you know they're doing the work that they enjoy and 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 the pay is right um, for them on on that period. So I think it, it going from job to job, I don't think it should matter too much. But it, I guess it if you're if you're in the going you know trying to work up a work up a company work up your career that way then yes i could see that it would have an importance to you um but i don't think it's important outside of it when you take if you took a step back it really doesn't matter yeah it could help you with sort of advancing to a higher position somewhere else but talk about what you do not about what you're labeled as and i i tend to agree that labels are just that they're they're our best approximation of what a job encapsulates and it doesn't always do a good job of doing that. Um, and again, they're not standardized across companies. So talk about what you do or, or what you've done and don't talk about the label. That's that's yeah, that, I have nothing else to add. Last one here. Uh, this is by Caleb Colorado on the human factor subreddit. <clears throat> this is uh, desperate for help with a statement of purpose. Hi, everyone. The time has come and I'm beginning to wrap up all my graduate school applications for Human Factors Master's programs. The whole application process has been smooth for me. Good for you. Uh, with the exception of writing my statement of purpose, arguably the most important part of my ap- application. While I do have a rough draft worked out, I really don't think it's very good. I've never had to write a statement of purpose before. And honestly, I'm not even sure what a good statement of purpose even looks or sounds like. 
Um, let's see here. Uh, basically, Barry, I want to use this as a springboard here to talk about statements of purposes and what they mean and what they look like. Have you written one of these? Yeah, I've, I've not written them in the graduate school application piece. I cheated to a certain extent and because I was in the military at the time, I had the choice of one university, so I didn't really have to apply. I just rocked up and said, well, hey, I'm here. Um, slightly more than that, but that was basically it. But when I'm, you know, it's it's not too dissimilar to your opening statement on your CV or your covering letter on a, on a job application. It's all about, for me, is... Um, be honest with yourself and with what you're doing. So what is it you're wanting to get out of? Um, what is it you're wanting to get out of life fundamentally? Um, and this is where I think it's getting get interesting because what I would have written at sort of 18 um, to what I would write now is is different. I mean, I have, I, I'm lying actually because I did write a statement, statement of purpose of, a couple of years ago when I was toying around with the idea of, um, of, of a PhD. And the just the ability to sort of sit there and say look this is kind of where i could be very very honest and say look this is where i want to go this is what i want to do which is not what i would have written at 18 which at 18 you would more write about what you think they want to read as opposed to now what it is you you know what what you want to write because and fundamentally you i would like to go down the latter route because as somebody who would re read these things um you want to know, you want to get an insight into the person. You want to get an insight into what are their hopes, dreams, that type of thing, to see if they marry up with your business, your course, your organization. And if they're very honest and, and you realize that it doesn't, it isn't going to work, you could actually cut out a lot of pain right there and then for both sides. Doing them a favor. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to go, you want to go and build uh, rockets and go, go to the moon. Well, I'm sorry, but I, I'm, I'm, I do drilling. Um, you know, you're not going to go, you're not going to go to the moon by coming to join my business, but I could probably point you in the right direction of somebody who could. Um, yeah. So I, I think that, I mean, I think be honest with yourself, um, is so important with these things. What about you? You've had more experience yeah. in doing these things than I have. Uh, look, I, I wrote one, uh, for my graduate applications. I, I again, I, I echo your sentiment. I would have done things very different today than I would have then because, I did exactly what you said. I wrote it in from the perspective of like, oh, I'm writing this for what they want to hear. Um, and it wasn't totally, it wasn't untruthful. It was just a flowery version of what I wanted. And really, it's hard to know when you're just starting your sort of experience. Um, like Human Factors was a completely, not different, but it was, it was, I was in psychology in my undergrad. And so I was writing it from like a, I have no idea what Human Factors is um, perspective. And it, Oh, Andy's stalled right there. It looks like his camp. If, the fact that he hadn't. Oh, is he back? Oh, I'm, I'm probably back. Uh, oh, anyway, back. You, you the point here. Us. Sorry. The point is that um, I was applying to different things and uh, I was writing it to be generic and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And that was probably the biggest piece of advice is maybe iron out what you want to do exactly. Um, because that might have better, although, you know, leave yourself open. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. Statement of purpose is hard. So I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. All right. Well, let's get into this next part of the show. Needs no introduction. It's just one more thing. Uh, let's see here. So Barry, what is your one more thing this week? 
So I had a really cool experience uh, today, and which was kind of fits into the metaverse thing because I did a present. You know, I've been doing this work around climate ergonomics, which I've mentioned before. Um, but I presented to ergonomists and human factors practitioners in Iran. And what a fantastic experience of being able to present to um, around 200 practitioners and through, you know, using the uh, wonders of the internet to make that happen. Um, what was fascinating for me, though, was I'm really rubbish at engaging with other languages. I'm trying to learn Welsh at the moment, but my ability to pick up other languages is is terrible. And it, I am appalled with myself. These are all people who their first language is Persian. And they were taking on board what I was saying. And, you know, I was talking for a good hour and a half to two hours worth. And and they were firing me questions and all this sort of stuff. And I, I was just like, I was completely blown away, A, by their enthusiasm, and B, the ability to comprehend um, what was going on in a foreign language um, with so, just so many of them. It, it was an incredible experience. And then since that, they've invited me to their um, WhatsApp groups and this, that, and the other. And they're all taking the time out because they're all um, writing in Persian. But then um, when I sort of jumped in, they're all start switched to English and they're welcoming in English. And I was, I was completely blown away by the whole thing and the way um, how welcoming they made me feel. So it was a brilliant experience today. That's good. I'm glad you had a brilliant experience. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a play out of the Barry playbook here. Uh, and do a two more things because I have I have two, I guess, exciting updates here. So first off, uh, I, I'm Thanos over here and I'm collecting uh, my infinity gauntlet of health improvements. So if you're following the show, I've been making marginal improvements. I think, um, you know, I mentioned my mental health on, on a couple episodes ago. Physical health, I'm seeing a chiropractor now, physical therapy. So the musculoskeletal side of things is getting taken care of. I went to the doctor for um, the, my physical health for the first time in a couple years today. Had a dental appointment yesterday. And last week I had a vision. Uh, I got new glasses. And so I feel like, you know, I just need to snap. And I am getting myself on the right trajectory, turning the ship around. So by the time I'm 60, uh, it's, it's not, <laughs> I'm not underwater. <laughs> the second thing, um, anyway, that, that, that whole said to just treat yourself, um, do, do yourself a favor and just get a good team of people around you to help you with some of these things that maybe you're not, um, taking note of like, like myself. Second thing, I have a bed story. Do you want to hear the bed story? Oh, go on then. Okay, the bed story. So, uh, so as a um, a Christmas gift to uh, myself and my wife, we said, okay, no, no gifts this year. Uh, what we're doing is we're buying a bed instead because we've had this this other bed for seven years, and um, you know, we we uh, I guess on we were expecting the delivery on Friday, last Friday, so right after the show, right. And then we got the message. It was delayed. Okay, well, that's fine. We were expecting to do everything on Saturday. So the new bed included a new frame, a new headboard, two side tables, um, a new mattress, a new pillow, you know, the whole everything. We wanted to upgrade our sleep. And um, so that Saturday, last Saturday, we took apart the old frame and looked under the bed. There was black mold. So we got, okay, we got to throw this thing out right now. Um, and then we get a message saying, your mattress is delayed. So, so that night I was like, okay, you know, I don't want to deal with it. We're going to go sleep um, at a hotel. And then 
hopefully it'll be here tomorrow. It wasn't there tomorrow, so we slept on an air mattress here. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't here the following day, so we slept on an air mattress for two nights, a uh, a hotel for one night. But the bed is here. Everything's all set up. It's wonderful, and um, we're very happy we did it. So it's very comfortable. And that's my one more thing this week. Yay! Well, that's it for today, everyone. If you like this episode and enjoy some of the discussion around virtual reality, uh, I'll encourage you all to go listen to episode 216. That's where we talk about how virtual reality could be the key to learning. You'll have to go and listen to the episode to see if it is. Uh, comment wherever you're listening on what you think of the story this week for more in-depth discussion. You can always join us on our Slack or Discord communities. And uh, you can visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter, stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple things you can do. One, leave us a five-star review. That's free for you to do. Two, you can tell your friends uh, about us. That is also free for you to do. And if you want to throw money at us, you can always support us on Patreon um, or buy our merch. That's something you can do, too. (laughs) As always, links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode. I want to thank Mr. Barry Kirby for being on the show today. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to learn about Arabic? Yeah, if you want to find out about more about what we've been doing, then you can look at uh, my Twitter, which is at Baz underscore K, or listen to uh, my interviews on my podcast, which is 1202 The Human Factors Podcast at 1202podcast.com. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me uh, sometimes on Twitch for office hours and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it depends. depends. All right, and we're into the post show. I think that went just over an hour. I'll say that was that not bang on the money. Ah, I think it, I think it was just over. It's okay. I'll do some editing. That's because you had two more. What, what's more? What more? I know. Uh, I had the things. two more things. Yeah. Hey, so it, uh, <laughs> while while we were recording, I had a a delivery um, that came in through my uh, through my That's little hole. Sneaky. What is that? This is a. Um, this is a Dutch Brothers um, drink. It's a it's a blended drink, right? Um, and it's uh, it's got energy drink in there, and it's like a, um, a a bunch of different syrups, and probably really unhealthy, but um, delicious. That going back to your teeth, thing, that's not going to be helping at all. <laughs> no, I'm brushing right after this. <laughs> It's a, I've really got into my work. I don't. I was really bad. That I had a um, just before the show tonight. I had a Chinese takeaway. Oh, okay. Um, um, it's been a while since I've had a Chinese takeaway, but then I just forgotten just how thirsty they make you feel. Oh yeah. And so I've been drinking my my water, and I'm like, you know, a good uh, three quarters of a liter through um, my water already. Just with all the breaks in the show, I've been like chugging my water. So yes, it's been a. Uh, um, one of the weeks where we're doing quite a lot and then just trying to fit food in and, and stuff um, has been, um, been a challenge. But, uh, yes, that was very, very challenging. Very challenging. I thought that was, that was a fun show. There was um, that was a great show. That was that was a ton of fun. And and yeah. to have that live audience participation. Thank you. If you're still watching, Derek, thank you for for um, chatting with us. In some ways, I, I did tag in um a friend of mine bob stone who's a a guru when it comes to vr and ar and and all things meta um in the uk he's um he's been he was lecturing on sort of vr and ar you know before it was cool and and all that sort of stuff and he's really um good fun to connect with on linkedin 
because any and every story that comes up about VR and AR and about somebody who's trying to make a big claim that isn't, um, he's all over it. And he's, he's very much of the, yeah, I was doing that 20 years ago. I was doing that 30 years ago. That's not even a thing. That's complete rubbish. Um, and he's, uh, he's, I just love it because he's just so incredibly honest. Um, if what you're doing is a pile of rubbish, he's very happy to tell you that because he's been there, done that, and, lit, and bought the t-shirt. In fact, he probably coded the t-shirt in VR to begin with. So so would you say like the, the headline that futurism should have gone with is experts predict that the metaverse is rubbish or living your life in the metaverse is rubbish? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it'll be, I mean, I don't know. I can sort of see... I can see a really good 50-50 thing because um, I get quite excited by the idea of a, a brain HCI. I think that's what kind of what makes... I just yeah. like the idea of being able to... Um, to uh, almost like, like I said, jack into in, into whatever interface it is you're using and, and make that work. But I just think, from a technical perspective, I think the challenges are so vast um, that that makes it exciting. Um, but then... I know what it's like me thinking in my head at the moment that uh, whilst, you know, even doing this, we talked on the show, but I'm also like, like what's going on at home? I'm, what am I doing here? What are we doing now? I'm, oh, I've, I've just seen a note or something I forgot to do the other day. How do you, how, when we're looking at controlling um, the metaverse, ourselves in the metaverse through a brain HCI, how do we stop all the other random rubbish that I'm thinking creeping in and getting out? Because most people think I'm reasonably sane, but they don't see what's going on inside my head at any given moment. Um, and truly, with the with the brain HCI, it's just going to leak out everywhere. That's my fear. Yeah. How do you how do you protect that? Well, how do you protect everybody else from that? Yeah. <laughs> More important, I mean, people might actually find out what I think about them, and that's scary in itself. It's, um, but and then we oh. might get down to that whole thing of of um, is it what? Um, certain countries have been doing where you, you get the social scores and things like that. Yeah, and we, we, you know, we, you're just there. It's um, it's going to happen. And, uh, well, that's depressing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, maybe. I <laughs> um, sorry, I'm I'm uh, perusing Twitter trending section to see if there's anything fun we could talk about. I'm not, I'm not seeing NFTs. How do you feel about NFTs? Oh, I don't get it. I do, maybe it's just because I'm. I, I've been sort of because I think yeah, we, we were chatting about them in in the lab, and I was chatting about them with because um, my my daughter's into art and stuff, so I was I was chatting with her about it, and so I've had to do a bit of reading up about what NFTs really are, and you know how they fit with the blockchain and and all this sort of stuff, and. I cannot believe some of the prices that some things are selling for, for yeah. one. But also, it just it just isn't a thing. I just don't get why people are spending so much money on something that's so easily copied that yeah, I don't I don't I don't I just don't fundamentally don't get why it's such a cool thing. I think it's a bit of Emperor's new clothes. Um whereas I think, you know, when people actually truly look and say, look, it really isn't a thing. And then people have lost loads of money. Yeah, I, look, I, I I get the criticism and I, I share it for a lot of things. Like, I don't know if I were to if I were to share a uh, uh, so so the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because I'm thinking like, hey, well, what if we did 
Human Factors Cast NFTs for our community members. So like our our Patreons or our um, our Discord members, Slack members, that type of thing. And they'd be kind of fun collectibles, right? I'm looking at like carbon neutral options. Mm. But, but um, you know, the idea is that, hey, you were a Patreon during the year of 2021. So we're going to give you a, a, a digital token, yeah. a digital token of a picture that says you are. And to, to me, that becomes a little bit more valuable when you have some sort of proof. And I guess they could resell it if they wanted to. Like, but like, let's say someone uh, finds us, you know, t- 10 years from now and they're like, oh, I want I want the 2022 badge. They can buy it from somebody, even though it's not they weren't. They can buy it from somebody and have their collection. I get that. I get that. Um, but I can see that having but I can see. I don't know. I see that slightly different because that has intrinsic value to to you as the as the collector, as the recipient of it. So, it, you know, you couldn't say that you were a member of of the lab in 2021 unless you were a member of the lab in 2021 and that's that's a you know a thing that you've had for that it'd be same get get a pin badge you know yes i could if i got a pin badge um being say host i could go give that to anybody else but it wouldn't mean that they've been a host right but you could sell it to somebody Yes, you can no, sell that badge to somebody. If it's if it's worthless to you, it might be worth something to somebody. Be like, oh, this is Barry Kirby's badge. He yes. was a host, and but I he, have it. I have it. It's digital but, proof that I have it. And that, but that that's the the value of that coupled with the story behind it. So, which I I get that it's like any collectible to a certain extent. It, it, the 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 uh, the provenance behind right where it come from gives it value. So this I is why to... this is why I understand where we're going with NFTs. I understand that the, that the value associated with that digital identity mm. is is the true value. And it, like like take the board ape uh, NFT that's selling for ridiculous amounts of money, yeah. right? That it, it it's because it was. I, I think the story behind it is it's one of the first NFTs and it's been through several different owners, and so there's some pedigree associated with it and then it was sold at a really low price accidentally and then it was sold there's a story behind it and High price, yeah, yeah. it keeps coming up in the news and to say that you own that yeah i guess i guess it is it is that i guess the <sighs> so so all this to say it's it's still like really confusing and you could yes you could right click and download that image but to say that no. you have the digital ownership over something like and I think, not- I think that's where the difference is isn't it because with a so say you went and you know you buy the mona lisa um you or pick any other famous art you can get a print a copy of of any art and and have a print of it in your house um and it's technically the same you know you're looking at roughly the same thing and there is a difference between owning a print and owning the real thing normally many millions of millions of dollars um so but i I guess i've always been um it's going to really as long as my daughter doesn't hear this then then i'm then i'm okay (laughs) um given her uh, drive to be an artist then you know i sometimes don't see the difference between owning the real thing and owning owning a copy of the, the print of um i probably just don't give it the value that it that it's worth um or i don't just don't want to pay that um i don't know it's i can see why i mean people collect stuff for for all sorts of different reasons um and 
Um, yeah, I, I can sort of see why that would work. I just see it just feels overhyped to a certain extent when you include, you know, the, the, the element that you've sort of shown is you've got the digital ownership, blah, blah, blah. But then the, the way that they've integrated it into the blockchain and, and stuff like that seems just huge overkill. No, I, I don't think so. Because look at look at it from this perspective. I, I, I'm not trying to sell anybody on NFTs. And I'm I'm not fully on board either. I'm just mm. like I'm fully uh <laughs> arguing from a devil's advocate perspective yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Um because I'm skeptical too. Um but but take something like Okay, we're talking about the metaverse in this episode, right? Take a, a, a digital object that exists in the metaverse that there's only one of. Let's say, let's say it's like a weapon for a video game or something, right? Like you have this rare sword that you've yeah. bought, you've purchased. No one else in the metaverse has it. No one else in the metaverse can have it because no one's right. blockchain is going to validate that they have it. Only you have that item in that metaverse. And so when somebody sees that you have the legendary sword of you know, Excalibur, whatever, you, everyone knows, oh shit, that's Excalibur and that person has it. Holy shit, there's some digital like wealth and status associated mm -hmm. with that thing. And if it's valued by other people in that community, let's say it gives something, some certain stats, percentage points, one hit kills monsters or whatever in any game that you're in, in the metaverse, that has all validated that you are the owner of this thing. Somebody else can come in and buy that from you, at a, at a you know, on the market. So I get, I get it, right? Or let's say that you know, there's only ten in existence, and that person has one that, of them. That really works in the uh, Ready Player One scenario doesn't it because that's what they had all the way through there was a number of artifacts in there that were one-offs yes and, all, and that's i guess how you'd validate that yeah yeah so so i i get it i i get it from that perspective when we talk about you know images and works of art that already exist and having digital versions of those things mm. it becomes a little bit more nebulous to me yeah um, yeah, but mean, yeah. but fully digital items, I and and with value associated with them, and and a need to validate that you are in fact the owner of those. I get it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it gives you a way. I mean, I guess what I sort of associated with it because, as you say, you've got some of them bits of art that are going around that I look at, and I don't attribute any value to. Therefore, you there you then attribute the idea of NFT to have that same value. Which is which is probably um, probably wrong on my behalf because actually, if it was something that I cared about, as you say, if, if we were to produce something for um, for the lab or something like that that actually had value to what we were doing, then I would adv I would ascribe value to that and want that and know that I've got my version of, of that. So, yes, I guess when you put it like that, then it makes sense. The um, I guess it's it's. It's one of these technologies that's going to be interesting to see how it evolves um, and and used or, or abused. Um, so I guess it's a kind of watch your space. But if you're going to do some NFTs, then then I want one. I, I will give you one. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm looking at it because it's just like it'd be kind of cool to give to the members of our community as like, mm -hmm. a, hey, here here is proof that you were a member in this year at this time 
Yeah. And, you know. Why do you trade out that? Because he's. Uh, Ethereum's the one that everybody seems to use, but it's not the only one, is it? There's there's a bunch of other um, NFT marketplaces. Um, yeah, I don't know. So... I have, uh, I you know, honestly, I I received an NFT the other day um, for for being an AMC stockholder. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> and I don't even remember what the service was that I uh, signed up for. Um, the, the only one I was aware of is, and that's only because the research I did based off the back of the the discussion that everyone was having in the lab was was, was around Ethereum because of the way that it's set up to do it. Um, so, and that's on the back of the, it being a cryptocurrency and having an extra yeah. value element in 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 there. Um, wax. Okay. Is it wax? I don't know what that is. It's it, it. There's a wallet that shows my NFTs, and I don't know if. Uh, um, hang on, I I I'm gonna see I if I can so. pull this up. I don't know if I share anything about it. If it will like. So part of me says that you shouldn't do that, but then part of me says I'm intrigued to see if anybody hacks you yeah. really quickly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But no, I, I think it's yeah. If if because again, in the reading I was doing, it the the NFTs are you know specifically ascribed to one-off things. So it's not like you're gonna have you know it's it, it's got to be limited in in some way. It's not just money, um, or it's not just like runs of objects selling things. It's it is you know that's why it's I think so popular in art because it's it is one-off items that have been produced um, for a specific thing. I guess this has my. Well, I, I only have one thing on here, um, and I, it looks like there's some tokens here, and I don't want to show those publicly, just in case, because I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, <laughs> Chicken. But, but <laughs> I can show you. Um, let's see here. I don't know if I can hide this or not. Uh, let me. Let me just. I guess. It's my wallet address, so people can send me stuff. I, I I am going to attempt to hide this really quick, and um, I will show you what I'm looking at here that has no identifying information. I'll take so, screenshot the bits, I guess. Yeah, I could do that, but here, here's what I'll do. <laughs> that's that's too much uh, for me to do. Um, look, here here's here's my one single NFT that I have. Let me share my screen with you all. Um, and for our Patreon listeners, I'll describe it. So it's a, it's a little, it looks like a GIF that says I own AMC and it's just going back and forth. And it says series one, I'm number 3,465 out of 580,025. Uh, so it's the number that makes it unique for you. It is the number, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. Then there's a digital thing, right? I can gift this to somebody. I can trade it or transfer it. Um, and it looks like, in at least in this wallet, I don't know if there's different wallets or any. I don't know enough about it. I'm just. So it looks like you can, um, you know, buy, purchase some buying power here. So that way you can buy your own NFTs on this dashboard um, or, or anything like that. Uh, and anyway, this is this is my collection, my singular co co collection. Uh, I'm impressed. 
Yeah. So I, I am I am a now an NFT owner. Um, I was going to say, I, 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 in many ways, I could think <laughs> of offering you lots of money for the NFT, but uh, I'm not going to. Don't take that the wrong way. Yeah, I don't know. So oh, and it's verified. It does. It there is a verification option, so you can like, you know, I think well, must, I don't know. I if mean, this that, is isn't that the whole point that it, that verification, that verification yeah. must happen in the blockchain? Well, I think um, so. I think what the verified is is probably like the the person who created it, um, and so the the right. verif- like like this is created by AMC. And therefore, I can verify that AMC did create this because I can imagine somebody else creates something exactly like this with every single parameter identical except for their username and they're not verified. And that would carry less weight than something that is verified. That's that's just my guess, right? Um, so I can look at this and say, oh, yes, AMC Investor uh, has created this um, and it's mine now. Versus AMC Investor 2. And everything else could be identical, but it's not verified. And it it doesn't carry the same weight. It's just, it's so weird, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, it's again, that raises a really good issue, actually. Because if you're, if that's verifying the user as as having produced it, um, or that person as having produced it, surely if you went as AMC 2, then AMC 2 could verify that they produced it. Therefore, it'd be verified. I don't know, it's making my head hurt. Um... Yeah, that, but I mean, again, it's it's this is what this is cool stuff, isn't it? Because actually, it is new. It's interesting. It's um, it's really popular because it's making an awful lot of money um, over what you could say is rather random things. Um, and you're gonna get some stuff that is gonna fail. I mean, it's a bit like um, well, this is that, that, that's again, my really where they were saying it. You know, it's it's distinctly it is like Bitcoin and the other type of cryptocurrencies, but not because you're not, you know, you're amassing objects, digital objects. You're not, you know, you're not, you're not just amassing right. a, a number of the same thing, which you know, the currency. Um, but the way that they utilize that blockchain, um, I find really quite cool and quite fascinating from a tech from a technology perspective, and it just does make you think. What else? could you ascribe blockchain to and for it to be actually sensible and productive um though i did read another article the other day that said that all blockchains or block cryptocurrencies are close to the uh, the bubble being burst because um they, they think that they that things could um could start collapsing in on themselves um but then i'm fairly sure they said that years ago as well they, they said that they, they keep saying that right and yeah. and the the truth is that nobody has any idea what's going to happen. No, and then, and then you, I actually made the, the person who made that comment to me. I, I I sort of turned around to them and said, "Well, is the um, is that just being made by um, you know, the banks who are losing out because of blockchain cryptocurrency right. um, because the banks aren't involved in it? Therefore, you know, because they've been." Well, some countries are making starting to make um, cryptocurrencies illegal, which is I, yeah. Well, I mean, my, my my question is, what's changed? In you know, nothing has changed fundamentally. You're still operating these cryptocurrencies are still opti- uh, operating off of a blockchain technology, and so mm-hmm. you have a verification process that is there. And fundamentally, some of these things, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin, even are are being used to pay for goods and services and so there's some value associated with those digital currencies 
And so fundamentally, nothing has changed except for public opinion and potentially world, uh, global, geopolitical consequences. And so w- will it stop? W- will Wait. the value, lo- will it lose value over those things? I don't know. Well, it might be. I mean, that's where you get, that's how you get run on banks, isn't it? It's the, um, it, it's about public trust. As soon as public trust dissipates, then that's when everybody starts running to the bank and said, I want, I want all my money back. But the thing that fundamentally changes a cryptocurrency is banks are built on lending. That's the, that's the model. That's why, that's how banks work. Whereas a cryptocurrency doesn't work in the same way. Cryptocurrency is about currency and it's about currency transfer. Right. Um, and so it actually takes the, the basic business model of the bank and, and just says no. So I can sort of see where that happens. The, but then, and I don't know whether we've talked about this before, but did you ever hear about the story of one coin and one life with the, uh, what they call the crypto queen? Um, that's a really, there's a really interesting set of podcasts. I think it was done by the BBC somewhere, but it's worth, if you Google, uh, if you search on your, your podcast provider for uh, Crypto Queen, there's a really good, um, I think it's about 12 or 13 episodes where they go and search for this uh, this woman who basically set up this idea of um, one coin, which was their own cryptocurrency. And it was going to go and take over the world. Um, people bought into it, and it ended up being a um, one of these pyramid schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the where they were saying it was the best. Uh, I think the terminology they used it was going to be the best centralized distributed blockchain in the world. And it's like you can't have a centralized distributed blockchain that just doesn't work. Um, but as this as these, this investigation investigation happens, and basically that's what it is, it's reporting on the in this investigation into the background of it. They find that actually the technology itself, they, they didn't actually have any technology. It was all just um, uh, make believe. It was it was all hype. It was all just basically getting people to um, give up their cash to invest in one coin and all this sort of stuff. And it had no actual monetary value. Um, and ends up being way deeper than you think, and they they got they con people out millions and millions of pounds, uh, millions millions of dollars out, out of it. Worth having a worth having a listen to when you're bored. Um, yeah, but it you know, just it was all just a yeah a confidence uh, confidence trick. So, looking at some of these other applications here, there's like tops, uh, like the, like the card manufacturer, right? So, like if I wanted to collect Star Wars cards. Mm-hmm. And have NFTs associated with those digital versions of Star Wars cards. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Could do that, right? I own digitally this one of however many. Could that? Actors, I don't know. Could your NFT actors are almost like a security guarantee. So if you did own a say a physical card or a physical piece of art or something, if you've also got the NFT associated with that, then if one if the physical if the physical thing gets stolen, then uh, right. Does it lose market value because it doesn't have the associated NFT to go with it to actually show complete proof of ownership? That's a great that's a great point. You have. Yeah. And I've always thought about that, too, of like, well, if I get a physical copy, can I get a digital copy, too? That's like, you know, if I lose my DVDs or whatever, I have a digital code that I can go and watch it on whatever yeah yeah uh and and I, I, it's the same thing here it's like yeah if i have a physical card can i get a digital c- version of that card to use in like yeah. any games that use it because like i i own it i've always wanted to do that and i think like i don't know at some point there was probably 
uh, I, I seem to remember this card games um, like on Game Boy used to have like little codes on the on the bottom right hand of, and of you could cards that you could yeah. put them in. And and that was kind of a, a non-verified <laughs> version of verifying that you own a card, right? You can go online and look up any of the card numbers. But yeah. um, ideally, right, that would be that'd be cool because then you could like associate it with an account right like let's say let's say pokemon right you do pokemon cards and there's a pokemon card game and they come out with a new version every year or whatever and you you know or or magic the gathering that's probably a little bit more popular uh tcg so let's do that right you have magic cards and associated with each magic card comes you know uh or each pack comes with a, a nft code that has every card in that pack and you have yeah. a digital version of those and the, it's linked up and it has, you know, the the numbers uh, line up on the card with the NFT, but the code is separate. So that way that's verified. Anyway, you have all that. And then, um, yeah, you could use those cards in any Magic the Gathering game that comes out because it's verified that you own those in the physical environment. And also that will be super useful for if you use like deck builders and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So actually, you know, I spent or did spend hampered magic in like a couple of years, but the um, I've still got too many boxes of them. Um, but you'd be quite interested to sit there and say, right, I want to put a new deck together. Uh, what card do I have? Um, and I, you spend ages put, you know, you get deck build wraps now when you put the cards that you've got in there and do they work together and all that sort of stuff. Actually, if you could just scan in which NFTs you've got, the links to the cards that you've got, then it could right. um, help you understand your um, your, your library um, or your collection. Or there's probably like some public service uh, that will scan, you know, your your public facing wallet, so that way it goes. Oh yeah, you have these cards. Here you go. How about this deck? This is this is you have every card in this deck. Yeah. No, saying that I, I did go through an episode where we. Um, so a friend of ours uh, really good at building decks and um and so they um i was like okay well go go here you go he's basically he's a budget go and build me a a deck that is is whatever and um and they went and they did and they came back and had this like proper killer deck and um didn't like it because i didn't hand built it myself right um i used to have a thopter deck which was amazing um it was, it was flying and it was also and it, it would just work it was one of the first <laughs> decks i put together it's still my favorite deck oh man I, have, I i had a poison deck that i really liked um and uh anyway i think i think our time was up because i have gonna, i have uh little people invading my space here cool. um, so <laughs> you, you need to go and do daddy duties i do well hey if you've been watching along with us thank you uh for for entertaining our conversation about nfts and the metaverse and everything uh digital i guess so stay tuned for human factors cast nfts coming your way maybe soon i don't know i'm gonna look into it you know anything about them (laughs) if you know anything about them please join our discord and let me know um i'd love to get something set up but uh yeah thank you everyone and uh we'll see you next time Yes. All right. Goodbye. Bye.